I slapped a seventh mosquito off the back of my neck as a match was struck on the north side of the bayou, a distance of about sixty feet. A cigarette was lighted, and then the flame was extinguished in a burst of short, jerky waves. Dana, I said. It's me, she said. I'll be right over. I jogged across the Travis Street overpass onto the campus of the University of Houston downtown. It was a steep incline off the road, up to a parking garage, around it, and then down again toward the bayou. Over here, said Dana. There was a concrete dock-like jetty at the water's edge. Follow the bayou east around the bend to the left, and you'd pass the county jailhouse, Houston's Latter-day Tower, where Sylvia had spent a long weekend. It stood at the junction where White Oak and Bayou met Buffalo Bayou. Follow Buffalo Bayou west, and you'd find parks, condominiums, and the estates of Houston's aristocracy. Cardinal Woolsey, King Henry, Thomas More, any of them, could have silently barged up the bayou and stepped off here. Treachery was in the air. Dana and I used to come to the spot when we were young, had no money, and wanted privacy out of doors. Sometimes we liked the south side, other times the north. Downtown did not seem so built up back then. Dana looked bedraggled. She had not changed her clothes since Tuesday night. She had always been fastidious about her appearance. For God's sake, I said, where have you been? Around, said Dana. What kind of trouble am I in? We had quit smoking together several years before we split. It had been brutal. She pulled on her cigarette, as if trying to make up for the intervening years of self-denial. She lighted a fresh cigarette off of it, and then flicked the butt out into the bayou. Since when did you start smoking again? I said. Since yesterday, said Dana. She took another long hit on the fresh cigarette. Come home with me, I said. Now. For how long? said Dana. I want to help you. Yeah, right. We can sort this out. I don't think so, said Dana. Let me help you. She turned toward the water and stretched her back and limbs, as if her body was full of aches and pain. I wondered if she'd had any sleep, and if so, had it been under a tree. I'm past it, she said. Tired. Dana, we've got to face this. What is this wee crap? So I go home with you? Are you going to love me again? Are you going to stay with me? Well, I don't intend to desert you. You already have. Just tell me how much trouble I'm in. A lot, I said. If you murdered a man to try and get back at me. There was enough ambient light from downtown for me to see the fatalism in Dana's face. She was a woman with nothing left to lose. I said, I don't believe you did it. Then one of us is having trouble facing reality, she said. I took her by both arms and shook her. Stop it, I said. You want me to deny everything, said Dana. I want you to tell me the truth. Okay, she said. I didn't do it. There's no more time, Dana. Wheels are turning, and unless you come clean with me, they're going to roll right over us. Good, said Dana. What's keeping them? I slapped her across the face. She pulled back, surprised. I had never raised a hand to her before. Ain't life just full of surprises? I could lose everything, I said. Dana worked up a mouthful of spit and shot it directly into my face. I stepped back from her and wiped it away with the back of my hand. I wanted to hurt her. Do you hate me yet? Yes, I said. I regret I ever knew you. I had growled it through my teeth and wanted to take it back the moment I said it. Good, said Dana. It will make this easier. She reached under her blouse and pulled out a Smith & Wesson thirty-eight special from her waistband. I owned one like it. She backed up two paces, out of my reach, and held it pointed at my chest. You got away from me on Tuesday night, Teddy, she said. The plan was that you weren't going to make it out of the restaurant alive. Is that my gun? I said. 
She nodded in slow, looping arcs. I borrowed it. What else have you borrowed? I said. Your keys, said Dana. When? My first day back in town. I found your keychain. I went out and had some copies made. I told you, when you finally showed up, that I'd had to go out, that I needed a few things. You copied the key to Sylvia's house. I only went when you were there, said Dana. I always followed you in. The security system was never on when you were there. True enough. Arrogance on my part. Carelessness on Sylvia's. You watched us, I said. It was excruciating at first. Then it got exciting. Some nights, I came right into the bedroom and watched the two of you sleep. A wave of cramps rolled under my belt. In acting school, we had these exercises called covert activities. Your partner pretended to be asleep. You sneaked into the space to get something of life and death importance. Stealth. It sharpens your ability to listen. An actor's nothing if he can't listen. 